understood, realities to be embraced. He's given us something in our heart called our conscience. Our conscience is our compass. And then he's given us a counselor. And, our counts- and the counselor that he's given us is called the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, come on, yeah. So he said he's the advocate. He's the counselor. Jesus is good. Say this with me. Jesus is good. Jesus is good. He, f- he feeds and he leads. He corrects and he directs. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Why is it important to understand this? Because if we're going to be sons and daughters, which is what we're called to be, that's our high calling. Okay? Servants, friends, sons and daughters. The high calling of the believer is to understand what it means to be a son and a daughter. And to understand how to live and operate from that context. Knowing how to relate to our father and knowing what our father expects of us and wants through us as sons and daughters. So what does the Bible say about sons and daughters? It has a lot to say. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. This is what it tells us. And so the high calling of the son and daughter is to learn and understand how to be led by the Spirit of God. Learning how to be led by the Lord, learning how to be led by His Spirit, and how His Spirit leads us is vital to our faith. It's vital. We have a living faith. You know that? The Bible says we not only have a living faith, we have a living hope. We don't have a hope that is dead. We have a hope that is alive. We don't serve a faith that is dead. We serve a faith that is alive. We don't serve a God who just puts merely a picture on the wall. We serve a Jesus who was res- resurrected and seated at the right hand of majesty. He's alive. He lives forevermore. You wouldn't know that if you visit some of our churches. You wouldn't know that if you watched how the believer lives. Next slide, please. So we're going to talk about a couple of things here this morning. We're going to talk about... Next slide. Did you get me? Are you on me, Noah? Are you doing it? All right, got it. We have a little... with some disconnect here yet this morning because uh, I'm not completely set up. We're going to talk about starts and stops. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you'll follow me. If you love me, you'll keep my word. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide for you for, with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That, is, that statement alone, every time, just completely rocks me. Because what Jesus is emphasizing, and what he wants us to get, Jesus, God is the God of the understated. I want you to understand this. He makes profound statements in understated ways. He makes the universe, looks out at the galaxies and goes, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Have you ever seen the galaxies? And you, when you, you look at it, you're like, wow. His, his idea was, yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> so he makes this statement to us that's insanely powerful. And what this is, this is gold on the ground. And if we understand the gold that's on the ground, if you saw gold on the ground, wouldn't you pick it up? Yeah. Right? If you saw oil coming up out of your backyard, you, you'd do something about that, right? <laughs> What'd you say? You'd be shouting hallelujah. <laughs> You'd be shouting hallelujah. <laughs> God leaves truths on the ground for those that are wise to see, for those that are wise and humble to perceive. This is a profound truth. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. What is that saying to us? Only the believer gets the access to the Holy Spirit. And so what that means is you are unique, separate, and set apart. The Spirit of God lives in you. We talk about the three facets of the Spirit. He is with us, He is in us, and He's on us. Right? 
And it's a progressive understanding. We receive Christ, he comes in us. As we walk in him and allow and yield to him, the spirit of God empowers us and comes over us. When we enter the atmosphere of worship and the atmosphere of presence, the spirit of God comes over you. That's what the warm fuzzies are and the little goosebumps and the heat and just the serene peace that people feel. That is the presence of God coming over you. The world only gets the spirit of God in the external. The Holy Spirit working on the outside to bring them to Christ. Leading them, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Leading them under the cross. The believer gets the, he's called the parakletos. The believer gets the spirit around them who works, who is actively working all things out to our good. The spirit around us, leading us, attempting to lead us into our assignment and attempting to arrange, why I say attempting is because we're, we're part of the equation and sometimes we don't always partner with him, Right? You know, we're not always partnering with what he wants to do. And so that's why the Holy Spirit's trying to do this. And we're like, no, and he's trying to do this. And we're like, no. And so the spirit of God over the believer, he is working around the believer to work out his circumstances, his or her circumstances, to arrange divine assignments and to align destiny. He is working in the believer to transform from the inside out. The spirit of God in the believer is hungering for the righteousness, hungering for the word of God, leading the believer, cleaning out the believer Emptying out, revealing things inside of your life that shouldn't be there. This is what he does. We get all freaked out when the Holy Spirit does his job. He just shines a light on that. You're like, oh, don't look at that. I don't want to look at that. You know, he shines a light on these areas of our lives internally to reveal it to us, to show us there's some issues here. We got to get this closet cleaned out. We got some junk in the garage. We got to get rid of this. This is cluttering up the process. So he's in the believer. He's bearing witness with the believer that we are the children of God. He's the down payment and the seal of our redemption, the Bible says. He is on the believer to empower us and to lead us into power and truth, to give us access to the mind of Christ, to give us access to the heavenly world so that we can come from heaven to earth and do what Jesus told us to do on earth as it is in heaven. We get it? This is what he's telling us to do. And so that statement that Jesus, the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive. We get the spirit when we receive Christ. So if Jesus is saying, if this is something nobody else can have, and this is something that I'm giving you as a treasure, we ought to understand the Holy Spirit. Christianity is spiritual or it is nothing at all. It is nothing at all. Let me make that clear and let me make sure this goes on the audio and goes out on SoundCloud. Christianity is spiritual or it is nothing at all. Nothing at all. It's, come on. The Bible says Jesus, God, the Father is looking for worshipers in what? That's right. That's right. That's right. So Christianity is spiritual or it is nothing at all. It is nothing more than dead orthodoxy, precepts, con- and all of this other stuff. Without the Spirit of God, Christianity is empty and unfulfilled. That's why believers are empty and unfulfilled because they don't know how to access the power that's been given to them. They don't know how to walk in the spirit or get into the place that God has given you. He's given you a well. From the well flows the water. He's given you a furnace. From the furnace flows the fire. Okay? You wonder where the passion's gone? It's in the spirit. It's in the spirit. It's a hunger for the things of God. It's a hunger for the spirit of God. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot see, no, receive because it neither sees him or knows him. For he dwells with you. There's para. He will be in you. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In other words, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you alone. You're my sons and daughters, and I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send my spirit who will abide with you. 
And he will lead you and he will guide you and he will entrust to you and he will call things to your remembrance. If we're going to be followed, we're going to follow the Spirit of God, we got to do we got to understand starts and stops. So we're going to deal with the stops. You want to follow Jesus and you want Jesus to follow, you want to learn to live by his spirit, you have to not follow the culture. That's hard. We are programmed and trained from we little lads and laddies, lattices, to follow the culture. We are trained to follow the crowd. We are trained to line up and follow everything and follow the culture. We are trained this way. Christians are different. Somebody says, oh, you Christians, all you guys have your brain washed. I always tell them, I'm like, the only difference between me and you is that I get to choose who's washing my brain. I choose to let Jesus wash my brain. You you guys ever watch TV? You ever watch watch the news? You know, watch the news for blocks of time and tell me they're not trying to program or indoctrinate you. I don't care if you're on the left or if you're on the right. They're trying to indoctrinate you. There is an intentional design to indoctrinate you and to pull you into their worldview or their, their point of view. So news is neutral. Oh, contraire. No, it's not. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to learn not to follow the culture. The culture is a system of thinking. It's a system of actions and thoughts. That's what the world means. When Jesus says, love not the world nor the things in the world, he's not talking about a physical place. He's talking about a system of thinking and a system of actions. That's what he's talking about. The world has a way of thinking, and the world has a way of processing and acting out on things. And God is saying you are in that world, but you are not of that world. In other words, you are of a different mindset, you are of a different mentality, you are from a different way of thinking, and you are from a different place of action. That's what it means to be in the world and not of the world. Okay, That's what he's talking about. We are lights within the world. How? Because we don't think the same way. We think from heaven to earth. We don't think in limitations. We think in possibilities. We don't think in hopelessness. We think in hope. Okay? We don't act out of selfishness and greed. And we don't act in, into, in order to exalt self. We act out of selflessness, humility, generosity with the purpose of exalting Jesus. You see the difference? It's quite a difference. You know, you start living like that, you're going to stand out. You say, I don't want to stand out, I want to fit in. I got more to say on that in a minute. <laughs> say it with me, I'm not designed to fit in. I don't understand why we're into such conformity. We're to conform unto Christ, right? And in conforming unto Christ, he, he creates a beautiful expression within his body. What we try to get people to do, and I'm not saying that churches shouldn't get, we shouldn't conform into the church because every church has a a mantle and every church has a way. So there is some some conforming. But at the same time, the Bible tells us that we're peculiar. You're peculiar. In other words, you're supposed to be a little strange. You know, you're supposed to be a little peculiar. There's supposed to be something unique and different about you. We're not all the same. We're not all the same with each other, and we're not all the same in the world or the culture that's around us. We're different. There's something uniquely different, something inherently different about us. It says, do not copy the behavior or the values of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. How do we change the way that we think? From the spirit, the mind of Christ. We change the way that we think through the renewing our minds by the washing of the water of the word. The word of God changes the way we think. What you put in you is what's going to affect you, how you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will is, really is in Romans. So when we stop conforming to the world and we start submitting unto the things of the Spirit, the Bible says that the will of God becomes known to us. Then you will know what the will of God is. 
a lot of Christians don't know what the will of God is, is because there's too much conformity into the world. There's too much adaptation into the culture. And we are a culture, but we are a kingdom culture. We are not, a, we are not a, 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 an earthly culture. And so when we start adapting our lives into the kingdom culture, all of a sudden, according to the scripture, the word of God and the, word, the will of God starts to become more illuminated to us. Could it be? What we do is we conform. This is a big thing in Christianity today. Everybody wants to reinvent the gospel. We need to rethink Jesus. Do we really? Do we really need to rethink Jesus? Seriously? No. So we have churches that say if it's legal, or Christians that say if it's legal, it must be moral. Well, they just passed the law, so it must be right to God. Really? We have Christians that say well, if everybody does it, then it must be right. Everybody's doing it. Everybody thinks it's okay, so it must be okay for me too. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. He's the same God. He doesn't change. We don't, God does not adapt to our reality. We conform to his eternity. We are to conform unto him. We are to transform unto him by the renewing of the mind. Hmm. Peter says this, you are a chosen generation. Who are you? In Christ, who are you? Say it with me, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Yeah. This is going to be hard, but you're going to, you, I just want you to let this one just wash over you. I don't expect you to understand what it means, but I just want you to receive it. Say this with me. I'm royal. You are. How do you know? My Bible tells me so. Born with royal blood. Given into, born into a royal family. Royalty in the earth. We are. Priesthood. We are those who minister unto our Father, from our Father, and into the culture. That's who we are. You want power activated? Start activating your identity. And you will see the heaven will flow. Heaven follows the identity. Heaven follows the proclamation of the sons and daughters. All of creation waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters. Creation is groaning. What? For the sons and daughters of God to begin to understand who they are and take their rightful place. Well, who are we? We're chosen. We're chosen in our generation. So for such a time as this, it's not the next generation. It's not the previous generation. It's this generation right now, and you're in it. You are chosen in this generation. We were praying on Friday night, and it was like, wake up, sleeper. Wake up. How long will you slumber? Wake up, chosen in your generation. Chosen for what? I don't know. Ask the Holy Spirit. You're chosen to be part of a context of a church that is moving the gospel forward. You're chosen for that, to be part of this generation. But you're also an individually chosen. What is your uniqueness? What is your unique calling? Say, what is it? I don't know. Ask the Lord. Let him begin to give it to you. Let him begin to download it. Let him give you bits and pieces. And begin to follow the bits and pieces until the parts become a whole. You are holy. Say it with me. I'm holy. I'm holy. You're holy. You're not going to be any more holy than you are now. Did you know that? It's not about smoking, drinking, and chewing and hanging out with those that are doing. That doesn't make you holy. The Holy Spirit makes you holy. There is no holiness without the Holy Spirit. You are holy. Not because of you, but because of him. That's why. When we get into the spirit, this is how we realize that these things are true. You get into the spirit and you feel clean. You feel like the, you feel like the freshly driven snow. You're like, you're clean. Why? Because you're standing in holiness. That's what holiness means. Holy means clean. That's all it means. Clean. Clean. Perfect. Without blemish. Without flaw. You are holy. Your holiness is not earned. Your holiness is given. 
It's very important. We need more holiness. I always tell them, move the people into the Spirit. Move them into the righteousness of God in the Spirit. Holiness will come. Holiness, if we think that holiness comes from us, we have completely missed it. There is none righteous, no, not one. All of your works are filthy rags. They're, they're of uselessness. Human effort does not produce holiness. It doesn't. The Holy Spirit produces holiness. And it's not through external everybody control what we're doing. It's through the inwardness of the heart. The heart will control the outward. Given time, the heart will manifest its rulership over the outward behaviors. It doesn't work the other way around. We think if we manage our external behaviors, then our heart will line up. It just never works that way. It is the heart beginning to overrule the external behaviors. When the heart becomes flowing with the Spirit of God and into the presences of God, then the externals begin to diminish. It's true. That's why we can't get it right. We think that if we just control all the externals, we got churches that set up and set up the rule list and set up the checklist and everybody's got filling out the checklist and doing the checklist and hey man, I'm all for checklists. I am. Discipline is the lowest form of discipleship though, Christian. Know that for sure. Say we need it's all about spiritual disciplines. Discipline is the lowest form of discipleship. In other words, it's the default system of all discipleship. It should be there. In other words, when all else fails, discipline. But God has not created you to operate out of discipline. He's created you to operate out of the Spirit in love and in power. It's completely different. The Bible says the love of Christ compels me. It's out of the Spirit that we are able to do it. It's the same thing I quoted this the last few weeks with Galatians. Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Who's seduced you into thinking that you can actually do this in the flesh? Having begun where? In the Spirit. Having begun where? In the spirit, do you now think you can do this in the flesh? Answer, no. But somehow we get born again, and then we, we just give the Christian the manual and tell them to just follow the manual. And we never teach them how to walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the selfish desires of the flesh. Well, we, no, 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 that's not true, Kevin. If we have spiritual disciplines and accountability groups, and we got all of these things working, then, we will, then the external behaviors will all just go away. Not according to the Bible. Okay? That is a dogma, a teaching of men. And again, I want to be clear on this. I'm not against those things per se. But those are not the sum of the total. The sum of the total comes from the Spirit of God. Some of you guys need to give yourself a break. You've been trying to do it and 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 do it. And you can't. And you can't. And you know what you do? You beat yourself up. Because you've been trying to do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And you can't. You can't. Because you can't. You cannot. If you get to the point where you understand that everything Jesus tells you to do is impossible, you're in, you're in good standing. Because then you know that it's only by the grace of the power that he gives you to go forward. And I'm not talking about grace in this abstract, by the grace of God, brother. I'm talking about the presence and the power of the Spirit. I'm not talking about poetry. I'm talking about reality. Come on. <laughs> we have access to his world. We have power from his world. We are overcomers. Not through our spiritual disciplines. You can be incredibly disciplined when you're in the spirit, can't you? Get in the spirit, man. You're like, wow, I'm like a genius. I don't know about you. So uh, anyway, enough on that. <laughs> we are a holy nation, a peculiar people. We're a little crazy. We're a little loony. Jesus hasn't designed his church to be a Wheaties box. I don't know about you. 
He hasn't designed his church to be another Starbucks on every corner where we're all the same. We're peculiar. We're different. We're unique. And he loves it. He loves it. He doesn't, Jesus didn't celebrate conformity. I don't know if you know that. He celebrated the uniqueness and the diversity. And he tends, if you read your Bible, he tends to lean towards the wild ones. He leans towards the wild ones. Old Testament and new, he leans towards the wild ones. The ones who are free in their heart. That's what he leans towards. Or the ones that are yearning for freedom from the heart. We are, why, why are we this? We are that way to show forth his praise of the one who has called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. Next slide. This word praise is an unusual word. I knew, I, it stands out because it's not the normal use of the word praise. It means virtue, goodness, and life-giving acts. We are called to show forth the beauty, the virtue of who Jesus is. We are called to show forth the goodness of God. God is good, therefore here. God, we do what we do because we're showing forth the goodness of God. We do what we do because we show forth the life-giving acts of God. How is this possible? It's not possible. Listen, okay? Oh, I don't want to get into that. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to run out of time if I go down that road. It is, say it with me. It is in the Spirit. It's from the Spirit. And then it's through the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And from the Spirit of God... See, again, I, I, I come from, I don't know about y'all, but I've been raised in churches where, you know, and I've heard it all, and I, I'm, I'm in this world. I'm in the church world, so I get to see the, para, the, the panorama of everything that's going on and who's doing what, where, when, and how. And too often I see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And we read that, and this is the, I, I have this up here for a reason. But we think that this stuff, well, brother, you don't have to, a fruit tree doesn't have to work to be a fruit tree. Yeah, but a fruit tree has, but in order for that branch to, to, uh, to produce fruit, it must abide within the vine. It must draw from the source of life in order for it to produce fruit. Jesus has given us the fruit, uh, the, the source of life, and it is the Spirit. Could it be, just a question, that the fruit of the Spirit is only born in the Spirit? Could it be? We think that this is just something that just naturally happens. No, the fruit of the Spirit comes from when we're in the Spirit. When we're in the Spirit, we bear forth fruit. Such as what? Love. You hear me say it all the time. You get in the spirit, man. You're love drunk, man. Just start worshiping. Let his glory come. Your problems just go away. You know what I'm talking about? It, who gets that? The world can't have this. The believer gets it. So we get in the spirit. Problems go away. The love's flowing. You're ready to kill somebody when you walked in the door. Now you're in the spirit and you're like, I think I'm going to buy him chocolate. I think I'm going to write a greeting card because you're bearing forth the fruit of the Spirit. You're in the Spirit, and the fruit is of what it is. Joy. Joy is a sense that everything's going to be okay. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it. But everything's going to be okay. Therefore, I have joy. Peace. Peace is shalom. means to flourish. You're just at stillness. You're at peace, but you're flourishing. There's an attitude of flourishing. Long-suffering which is patience, the ability to stand for a long time, to bear with it for things for a long time. Some of you, you're, the Christian has the ability to stand under things and go through things that no one else has. Amen. The stuff you go through, everybody else would be in psych ward. Huh? Come on. 
You see, you see everybody, they're all in psych ward and everybody's heavily medicated or whatever it is that they're doing and they're all trying to cope because they don't understand the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit, but the believer has an ability to go through life's problems and endure life's problems to a degree that nobody else can. Amen. You have an ability to show forth kindness. Kindness, that's such a beautiful word, kindness. Goodness, goodness comes from you when you're in the Spirit. Faithfulness, faithfulness. Faithfulness is not just consistency, it is the fullness of belief. When you're in the spirit, you can believe anything, right? You are full of faith, faithful. You are full of it. Somebody said, well, I'm full of it when I'm not in the spirit, so now you're telling me I'm full of it. Well, yeah. You're full of it. You're full of faith in the spirit. <laughs> I can run through that wall. Don't, please don't try, brother. You know, it's like you're in the spirit. You get full of faith, gentleness. Self-control. You have an ability to control yourself in the spirit. And do you know what that means to me? You don't have a very good ability to control yourself when you're not in the spirit. Can I get a witness? Amen. Huh? In the spirit, there's an ability to control yourself that you don't possess when you're not in the spirit. Try it out. Serenity now, man, I'm telling you. Against such there is no law. What is it saying? Press into it and take as much of it as you need. Press into this and receive it and release as much as this. There is no limit to what you can have in the spirit. These things. Against such, there is no limit. We have to change. We have to adapt from people, places, things, attitudes, and actions. Anything that is not in line with the gospel and not in line with what the Lord says, we have to transform from that and change. Including people. Five things that are going to lead your life. or There's a handful of things that are going to lead your life. And where you'll be in five years are the people you're associating with. That's the top of the list. The books that you're reading. In other words, what you're taking in. Okay? Decisions that you make. Because the decisions that you make are going to be in line. But the two most dominant ones are the people that you're surrounding yourself with. And somebody said you can't soar with eagles when you're walking with turkeys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't walk with the living when you're walking among the dead. You know I mean? It's just like... Different attitudes, people, people's nature, people by nature, I don't know if you're aware of this, you probably are, people's attitudes by nature are to pull you down. Here again is how the world is flipped upside down in the kingdom. In the kingdom, we raise each other to the next level, and we celebrate the success, because what God does for one, he'll do for another. That's the kingdom. It is a constant adding of value, one to the other, elevating, awesome, yes, go, yeah. There should be no jealousy in the kingdom, because God is no respecter of persons. But in the culture, it's all about me, myself, and I. And nobody wants you to succeed. And if they do, you know in their heart they're really wishing they got that promotion. You know what I'm saying? In their heart, they're really wishing that they got that. And you, you know, why'd you get that new car? You're like, oh, I love your car. Oh, man, I know you get a new car. It's the differences, you know. People's nature is to pull down. People's nature is to keep you on the same level as them. You understand? Jesus, by nature, he was working off of a process of redempting and lifting, redeeming you, taking you out of situations. And we think that just because we get saved, all of our situations, we've been taken out of every situation. No, you haven't. You have to constantly submit and surrender into the lordship of Christ, into the areas of your life. And so as you will participate in the redemptive process, what does that look like? It looks like your time. I share it all the time. Christians, all oh, Jesus is Lord, but not, you're not Lord of my time. I go where I want. I say, I stay. don't tell me how long to stay. You know, don't you tell me I have to go to church on Sunday. I'm Lord of my time. Don't you tell me anything like that. I'm master of all my time. Jesus isn't Lord in that area. 
That has to be submitted, right? Money is another area where people, where Christians don't want to submit it. Don't want to submit it, okay? Our bodies, that's, this is the modern one. This is the 21st century one within the church. This is the, this is the sloshing of the culture. We think we can do anything we want with our bodies and our sexuality is yet to be defined. But God has defined it. He's defined it. He hasn't changed it. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? And what we have to understand is if there's a struggle in these areas, it's because people are broken. Okay? People are broken. They must be born again. I'm born this way. I don't even argue that. I used to in my younger years, I would argue that. I don't even argue it anymore. I'm like, you're born that way, great. Now you must be born again, okay? I was born a liar, a thief, a murderer. I was born a lot of things, okay? I was born to do this. This is, I was born this. I must be born again. And now I must bring my life into transformation into the new life that he's given me. I must walk away from all that is old and I must walk into all that is new, even if it kills me. That's why the Bible says crucify the flesh. Anyway, <laughs> people, places, things, and attitude. Don't let anyone lead you in the wrong way. That's right. So to be like Christ, you must do what is right, right unto the Lord. If you keep on sinning, in other words, what this, what's trying to point out to you, you're being led by the devil. In other words, if you keep ending up in these places, someone is leading you, and it's not Jesus. Someone is leading you, and sometimes what the enemy uses, and I'm not going to get into this, but with, I'll, I'll mention it, it's not just the enemy. The enemy is using something in you, okay? The enemy never works out of a vacuum, so you know. There's something in you that he is using, and that's what's leading you where you are. It can be a brokenness. It can be an offense. It can be a trauma. It can be any number of things. Jesus said, the prince of this world comes. He has nothing in me, not nothing on me, nothing in me. There's no manipulative power that he has over me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You get in situations and circumstances and you dance like a puppet. And you don't know why. Why am I dancing like a puppet? Why do I feel this way? Why am I compelled this way? Because there's something in you that has to be dealt with. That is what the enemy is using. They're called strongholds. He's using it against you. And he's holding you. Say, I'm free in Christ. Yes, you are. Absolutely. Eternally free. But you may not be free emotionally. You might not, may not be free mentally. He sowed lies of, into people's minds. He sows lies. That's why the Bible says, cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Why? Because the enemy sows seeds against the knowledge of Christ. He puts lies, and he causes the Christian to partner with the lie. And when you partner with the lie, you have neutralized the gospel, and you have empowered his darkness. All over the place. Holy Spirit isn't moving. That is a lie that exalts itself against the truth. Miracles died with apostles. Who told you that? That is a lie that exalts itself against the truth. But Kevin, there's lots of denominations that teach this. I don't care what denomination teaches that. I don't care how many PhDs he's got on the wall. He can be doctor, 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 doctor. He can recite me the Bible forwards and backwards in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, and it doesn't matter. You're not, you don't know the truth. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, you know a lot, but you don't know the truth. Oh, you know a lot, but you don't know power. Your error is you don't understand the scriptures, nor the power of God, Jesus said to the Sadducees. Your faith is sad, you see, because you do not understand the Bible, nor do you understand the power of God. Come on. Yeah. 
Stop looking to other sources. I got to move. Stop looking to other sources. What are the sources? So we have, to, we have to move into a framework of kingdom mindset. We have to move away from the other sources that influence us. We're influenced by circumstances. The just shall live by circumstances. Is that what the Bible says? The just shall live by faith. Are you just? Yes, you're justified. You are made right before the Father. Justified. He has justified you. Therefore, you are the just of God. And the just shall live by faith not by circumstances. Let me just be clear. I didn't say it was easy. (laughs) Is this not easy? We act like this stuff's easy. It's not easy, man. It's not easy. This is not easy. So let's stop looking at our circumstances. Our lives are to be, what is faith? Faith is trusting in the promises of God. Trusting in the promises and in the power of God. That's what it is promises and purposes of God. Paul had a Mediterranean cruise. People live by circumstances all the time, right? And they contradict what the word of God says or what the Lord has spoken to them individually. So if you know the story, Paul was going to be taken to Rome and somebody calls it Paul's Mediterranean cruise. And Paul gets a word from the Lord saying, don't go because you're going to sail into a storm. And so Paul goes to the captain and all of the people of the ship and he says, listen, I prayed, man. And the Lord says, if we go on this trip, it's going to end badly because there's a storm out there. And the Bible, what the Bible says a couple of verses later is they felt a fair wind blowing over them. Because they felt a fair wind, they said, let us sail. And so they sailed, not based upon a word, but they sailed based upon a circumstance of feeling a fair wind. When there was a word that contradicted the fair wind, they went with the fair wind over the word. Why? Because the fair wind has feeling. The word doesn't have any feeling. Faith is neutral. The word is neutral. So it comes and it doesn't, well, okay, that's a word. But it feels so good. It just feels so right. You know, this has to be right because it feels so good. And then it says that they were tossed to and fro because of the storm. So because of a choice against a word or because against a prophetic word or against the word, because of this choice, the Bible says they lost control of the ship. Can I get a witness? Because of a choice against the word and because of a choice against the spirit or the prophetic word or the known word or the revealed word, they went out into a storm and they lost control of the ship. How many times have we lost control? I can can see like five or six things. I'm like, yeah. And then it says that they had to cut the line. They had to cut it and they just simply drifted. They drifted. This is where we are. Our choices, our actions, these things, when we move away and we're not, we're led by our circumstances rather than partnering with the Spirit and partnering with what the known truth, we end up in storms. We lose control of the ship, lose our bearings, don't know where we are, how we got here, and then we end up having to unload the cargo and fight for our lives. Just a thought. Next slide. Yeah, I won't get into David. Emotions, emotions are given to us not to be led by our emotions. This is another one. Not just circumstances, but our emotions. Emotions, say this with me. Emotions, emotions. come on, we can do better than this. Emotions, emotions. are given to us for experience, experience, not for leadership. Emotions were never intended, designed, or given to us by God to lead us. They're given to us to experience experience truth, experience reality, but they were never given or intended to lead us. You say, but emotions lead me. I just feel peace. I say, I'll throw this one up here. Jonah. You ever read the story of Jonah? 
he, God says, do this. So Jonah had a word. Jonah had a direction. He had a prophetic word from the Lord. He had clear direction from God. And Jonah said, I'm not going. And so God said, go right. And Jonah went left, literally. He went in the complete opposite direction. What people don't read in that story is he got on the boat. Ready? He got on the boat and went down. And the Bible says he went into a peaceful sleep. He couldn't have been more outside of the will of God, yet he's in a peaceful sleep. <laughs> so he was at peace. His emotions were cool. But he was, so, he was completely outside of the will of God. You get the picture? Something that was known or revealed, we must follow, regardless of our feelings. So here's some starts. If you, we have to want to be led. You have to, these are the things that we have to move away from. These are things we need to move into. For it begins with desire. Lots of Christians don't want to be led. Here we go, maybe I do. Let me hear if God says something to me, and I'll decide if I want to be led. That isn't how it works. There has to be a change within the heart. Not my will, but yours. There has to be a transformation within the heart. You must hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not what is right to you. Righteousness is what is right to God. And until you hunger and thirst for what is right to him, your leadership by the Spirit is going to be incredibly limited. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for what is right. They will be filled. And it's, again, it's not right to us. It's right to the Father. You have to want it. What does it look like? It's wanting it with every part of who you are. It's realizing your inability and his ability. Not compartmentalizing your faith and saying, well, I'll go into that when I need it, and then I'm going to do it my way for the rest of the time. Not Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. But it's completely holistic. It is a holistic surrender. Where, you're, where you are leaning your life into the things of the Spirit and into the wills of God, and you're hungry for His leadership in every area, and you're moving your life, because there's going to be times where you've got some drifting areas of your life, but you're just constantly trying to take inventory and keep pushing things into that arena. You have to want it. Say it with me, I have to want it. That's right, and then you have to be willing, because He will speak. The Bible tells you very clearly He will speak. He'll speak through his word, he'll speak through his spirit, and he will speak through circumstances, but never on a primary. His word and his spirit are his primaries. So people go, I want to hear the Lord. I want the Lord to speak to me. Well, the question is, is are you willing? If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land, the Bible says. You have to be willing. If you're not willing, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Willingness is demonstrated to, say this with me. Willingness, Willingness is demonstrated, demonstrated by obedience to revealed Truth. What's revealed truth? His word is revealed truth. Our obedience to revealed truth shows a willingness to want more. Your word is a lamp to my, and a guide unto my path, a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. Next slide. So we have, to be, we have to want it. We have to be willing. Without God's word, we fly blind. The word is revealed truth. Say this with me. The word of God, word of God is revealed truth, is revealed truth and the language of the Spirit. So we get the Christian that goes, well, can't God just speak to me through the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But you, don't, you won't understand his language if you don't understand Scripture. The Holy Spirit speaks a language, and it's called Scripture. more Scripture you know, the greater the vocabulary the Holy Spirit's going to be able to give you. The greater the access and the connection you're going to have to his world. Every Christian can have access to the Spirit and have access to his world and hear, and see, hear the voice of God. But you're, but you're talking about baby talk as opposed to, uh, you know... A dissertation. You know, you're talking about two different realms here. So I, I want to move past baby talk, and I want to get into the higher places, and I want God to be able to speak to me by higher things. That is only possible with, the, with me understanding Scripture. Because I'll say it with me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will never, never contradict the Word of God. 
He will not. So we have to ask. Ask what? Ask the Holy Spirit. So we have to be willing. We have to ask. We, we require, the Holy Spirit requires an invitation. It's just how he works. He wants to know, do you want it? That's what he wants. It's not enough for, you, for him to want it. Let's say this with me. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will, not work will not work any harder than me. Uh-huh. You think I'm kidding. He will not. The Holy Spirit will not work any harder than you. He will partner with you and call you to higher places, but he's not going to do it for you. You've got to get partner with him and walk with him. He's going to help you. He's going to support you. He's going to empower you. He's going to lead you the whole way, but he's not going to do everything for you. Just a thought. Amen. So you have to ask him. Say, so, well, he should just do it by default. He does not. One of the things that has to come out of Christianity and has to be wiped off of the church is muteness, where we refuse to open our mouths. And the second thing is spiritual laziness. We don't, under, we don't exercise ourselves into the things of the Spirit, and we're spiritually lazy, and we're spiritually anemic. We can't lift anything, right? That's why we pray for the sick. You know why we pray for the sick? Because we're trying to lift more weight. Amen. We're trying to exercise ourselves into the Spirit to lift more and more and more and more weight. That's why we're anemic. We can't operate in power because we're anemic. We don't exercise ourselves into these things. We have to ask him. The Holy Spirit requires an invitation. James tells the church you don't have because you're not asking. You know, they're all sucking on their, on, their, on their pacifiers and complaining and crying because they want things and they don't have them. God's not good. God doesn't love me. He doesn't care for me. James is like, listen, man, you don't have any because you're not asking. You're not aligning with his purposes, and you're asking out of context. There's a whole story there. You, should, you can read it. The advocate the Holy Spirit of the Father will send will teach you. He's going to teach you. He's going to cause things to your remembrance. Everything, he's going to give, everything he said he's going to give to you. We access the Spirit of God through humility. In other words, a lowering of yourself. Humility is not this false, like, oh, God, I'm such a loser. Humility is simply, Father, I come before you, yielded and submitted, ready to stand and do your will. That's what humility looks like. Humility isn't like downcast with dirt on your head. I'm such a loser. Oh, God, just look on me, this merciful sinner. Humility is simply, I lower myself. I stand before you prepared and ready. I'm prepared and ready to receive and to do. We have to honor. We honor the Spirit of God. We honor the Word of God. We honor. Say this with me. I'm going to drill this into you guys. You're going to hear say this. Someone say it with me. Honor, honor creates, creates access. access. Without honor... There is no access. You will not honor the Holy Spirit. You will not access him. You will not honor the word of God. You will not access it. You will not honor the things of the spirit. They will not be yours. They're there, but you're not going to enter into them. They'll be lingering over you. It's your inheritance. But if you don't honor it, does, honor creates the access. We have to learn to honor. It's faith. We have to learn to listen. This is the last slide. We have to learn to listen. What does it mean? We have so many distractions we have cell phones and internet, and it just we're constantly connected to noise. Constantly connected to noise. You ever thought about that? You ever put your phone down? I dare you to put your phone down for a day. Just a day. Just turn it off. Some of you are already, you're already shaking at the thought of that. You're sweating. You're feeling nauseous. And you're saying, that is not God's will for me. <laughs> You ever thought about it, blocking out time where you can be worshipful, you can turn that thing off, and you can have quiet time before the Lord, and you can say it with me, practice, practice. The, presence. the presence. It's how he speaks. 
How does the Spirit of God speak? Speak when we learn to practice His presence. He's going to stand right here and do this. God will speak to you out of emergency situations if that's the kind of relationship you want with Him to where you're just pulling the fire alarm. He doesn't want you just pulling the fire alarm. He wants a living, breathing relationship with you. And He speaks with you. Into, he speaks revelation. What's revelation? He reveals things into what is written and He reveals to you into things that are requested. The things that you have requested, He reveals and makes shows you. That's what he does in the time of the Spirit. This is big too, and I'm going to close right here. Impartation. When you're in his presence and you're in the Spirit, he speaks things, he speaks, he reveals the word to you, and he starts showing you answers to your prayers. This is what he does. Then when you're in his Spirit, there's an impartation that happens. This is, again, where Christians have to learn this. We have to learn to receive. In the Spirit, He is imparting things to you. That's why He comes over us. He starts moving. And what is He imparting? He's imparting peace. What is He imparting? You're coming out of, You're going to come out of the presence, or you're going to come forward from the presence with strength. When you're in His Spirit, He is renewing you and recharging your strength. Wisdom. He's pouring wisdom into you. He's pouring assurances into you, telling you everything's going to be all right. This is what he's doing in, that, in those moments. He's pouring love into you, letting you know that you're cared about, letting you know that, he, that, that he's for you, that he's with you, and he's giving you hope. And he's giving you hope. All of this is possible through the Spirit of God. You believe that? Amen. Yeah, well, we partied long today. I got, we got second services coming in, so we got to close. If you're here this morning, we're going to close with two things. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus... This world can be yours. This world may be foreign to you, but I can guarantee you it's appealing to you because it is the inheritance that Jesus died to bring. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to do that this morning. You say, how do I do it? You just simply open your heart. We're going to pray a prayer as a group. We're going to pray a prayer as a church. And all you've got to do is just open up your heart by faith and give access to the Lord in in prayer. That's it. You say, what if I don't understand it? You don't have to understand it. He never told you to understand it. He told you to believe it. And so let's just pray. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. And I need a Savior. So I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me bless you one more time. Just receive this. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name. Amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.